Have you ever wanted to get somewhere so badly that you inadvertently hitchhiked and ended up in a situation so unbelievable that when you tell the story, most people believe you made it up? Well, I have. I'm Ben Lewis, and this is the true story of a ride I took with a couple. A ride from Vanita, Oklahoma to Ozark, Missouri. A ride that I will never forget. This is the story of Kelly and Cat, a four-part series delving into the craziest ride of my life. This is Along for the Ride, a 428 podcast. Okay, so let me catch you up if you haven't listened to episode one yet, which I encourage you to do. First, I was out of town on a business trip to Tulsa, Oklahoma. On my way back home, my car overheated, I had to pull over. I was then introduced to my new friend Kelly, who pulled over to save me and drive me to my family. Now, Kelly is a nice guy, but he has a very foul mouth. His wife is very friendly. She is a doctor. She is also blind. She is in the front passenger seat. I'm in the back seat passenger side, crowded by several obsolete printers that I was taking home to dispose, but Kelly wanted. We enter the highway like a shot out of a gun. Now you're caught up. Now let me say this. After feedback from episode one, I wanted to make sure that I made this clear. It was very nice for Kelly and Kat to offer to drive me to meet my family. I was really appreciative It's just that everything else that happened along the ride was so crazy that it really made the story unreal and what turned it into one of the craziest events of my life. So as I tell this story, I am appreciative to them that they got me home safely, but also I'm appreciative for this story because it's so great. Okay, now on to episode two entitled We're on the Road. Okay, so to set the stage for this next part, I want to ask, have you ever gotten in the car with someone and immediately regretted it? Maybe it was a high school friend that drove like they thought they were trying out for a NASCAR sponsorship, or maybe it was like your friend's parents growing up and they had weird rules for their car like, we can only talk at traffic lights, or maybe they kept the heat so hot that it felt like they were trying to cook you in the back seat. Or the worst, maybe you're in a car with a person who has terrible taste in music and you're stuck listening to deep cuts off an obscure Nickelback live album, you know, before they hit it big. Okay, so I've gotten in several vehicles in my life that I got in, I had second thoughts, like maybe that's why I always drive everywhere. I never go somewhere without my vehicle. There always has to be an exit strategy. If I want to pull over, I'll pull over. If I want the air to be colder, the air will be colder. If I want to roll down my window, I'll do that. If I want to talk not at traffic lights, I'm going to do that. So you get what I'm saying. I mean, my wife, who is an excellent driver, she offers to drive all the time. And I think I've probably taken her up on it twice in 17 years. So let that resonate with you a little bit as we move forward. Okay, so we've entered the interstate and we've gone from 0 to 90 in under five seconds. I didn't even realize a Ford F-150 was capable of that, but it happened. Kelly's driving like, I told him if he doesn't get me to the hospital, I'm having a baby in the back seat. I mean, these are the speeds we're driving at. We're darting from right lane to left lane and back, in between cars, in front of semi-trucks, behind people pulling campers, around motorcyclists and back. At one point, like, I was sure he was going to try that trick that you see in movies 
where the car changes lanes by passing underneath the semi-truck trailer, but maybe the truck was just too tall to pull it off, I guess. The one positive about this is I'm reading the safety standards on the truck. I'm seeing that as long as I'm buckled, I had a good chance of making it out and getting a different ride back to Ozark, Missouri. And if we didn't wreck, he was shattering the arrival time estimate that I was looking at on Google Maps, so that was cool with me. Now, while he's driving, he's talking. There is never a pause. I mean, until later, but that's for next episode. Kelly says to me, Ben, I'm trying to get my semi-truck driver's license. I'd be the best freaking semi-truck driver out here. Tell him, Cat. Cat says, absolutely, baby. You're the best driver I've ever seen. Now, from what I can tell, Kelly is significantly younger than Cat. Not that that's a big deal to each their own, but I'm just trying to paint the picture. He struck me late 20s, and she appeared to be more like mid-40s, early 50s. I mean, she was a doctor after all. Kelly says, I'd be the best freaking semi-truck driver these buttholes have ever seen. Then he begins to drive right next to one of the semi-trucks and was looking over at him in what appeared to be an effort like to get him to race. They're looking back, looking back. He's looking at him. He's looking at him. And then he sped off. Kelly said, he's scared. He's scared on account I'm so much better driver than him. I'm the best you ever seen, ain't I, Ben? Of course you are. Of course you are, Kelly. You're the best. What else am I going to say? I said, why don't you get your license to start driving a truck for a living? He says, I will. I took it three times in Oklahoma, and they kept failing me. They just don't get it. Some things don't transfer to tests. They just don't understand how good I am. They just need to see me in action to understand. I'll have better luck in Missouri. Well, maybe I say. Now, something I haven't told you yet is why I hesitated to ever talk to Kelly. Some drivers can talk and not look at you. Some will look at you in the rearview mirror to make eye contact while they talk, which is, you know, kind of uh, questionable whenever they're driving at 90 miles an hour down the interstate. But what's even worse is Kelly would completely turn around, look me square in the face when he spoke to me while driving 90-plus miles down I-44. This was concerning, but it got worse when he started telling me about a childhood friend and showing me pictures. He began to tell me about how his best friend growing up ended up becoming a cop. He said, my friend Charlie that I used to run around with actually became a freaking cop. Can you believe that? Me, friends with a freaking cop. It's crazy. I wouldn't be friends with no freaking cop. But he was my friend already, so it's cool. We were friends growing up. We didn't see each other for years until we ran each to each other last year. I got a picture. You want to see it? I said, you can wait until we stop if you want. He said, nah, I'm pulling it up. So he's scrolling through the pics on his phone, and I'm assuming he's going to hand me his phone or, like, hand it to Cat for Cat to show me the picture. But he doesn't. He finds the picture and asks Cat to get the wheel while he fully turns around to show me this picture where he's pointing at himself saying, that's me. Then at the police officer in the picture saying, that's him, as if I wouldn't be able to figure out that the guy in the police uniform is the police and the guy beside him is Kelly. Now let me ask you this. He said they hadn't seen each other in years until they quote-unquote ran into each other last year. Now why do you think they ran into each other? Yeah, you guessed it. His friend was arresting him. In the pick... Charlie, the police officer, is standing stone-faced beside Kelly, who was handcuffed and smiling like it was a picture day in elementary. You can't make this stuff up. 
This was when I started getting an idea of who I was in the truck with. Kelly was no stranger to run-ins with the law, which had me thinking, why are they going to Branson anyway? Okay, so here's the deal. If you've ever moved, like your family completely relocated from one city or state to another, there's normally a reason. Like, when I was 15 years old, we moved from Valdosta, Georgia to Springfield, Missouri. My dad was working for a trucking company, and the option at the time was he'd take the promotion and we moved to Springfield, Missouri, or he would have to maybe have to find a new job or something. So Springfield is where we moved. I ended up going to high school, college, eventually met my wife, and I stayed in Southwest Missouri. I was the one saying that as soon as I can, I'm moving back to South Georgia, but I stayed in Southwest Missouri. Even while all my family ended up moving away for different reasons like family and job opportunities to Atlanta, Jacksonville, Arkansas, different areas, I stayed in Southwest Missouri. But people have reasons for moving from one place to another. Other reasons would be military, uh, family issues, like you need to move somewhere to take care of somebody. Maybe you've been somewhere all your life and you need a change of scenery. So it's let's move from the north to the south or from east coast to west coast. But no matter what, there's a reason. You never really move for no reason. Now, some people move because they've burned bridges where they're at. Maybe they've gotten in trouble and done some things that they can't uh, get out of. And maybe they need to start anew in some place else. Some people were asked to leave. This is kind of the deal with Kelly. So as we're barreling down the highway, it speeds fast enough to turn my stomach. I decide to ask a question that's been on my mind since we first met. The only reason I hadn't asked until this point is because the ride's been so exciting thus far, there really hasn't been a good time. So I asked Kelly, Kelly, what brings you guys to Branson? Why are you heading down there? Are you going on a little getaway? I thought maybe they were making a quick trip down to Branson to go on a little vacation or something. We go to Branson all the time for, you know, two, three nights or whatever. It's a nice place to go. Kelly responds, shoot, Ben, we're moving to Branson. We're moving down there. Already got a freaking place lined up. We'll get down there, get set up, and I'll find a job. You think they'd hire me at Dixie Stampede? He starts cracking up. I was thinking, wonder where Kat will get a job with her seven doctorates. I laugh and say... I don't know, maybe. I mean, if you've ever been to Dixie Stampede or Dolly Parton Stampede now, Kelly would make an awesome skeeter. I mean, they have to clean up the language, but he would be a killer skeeter. Okay, and then that's why I decided to ask, why are you deciding to leave Oklahoma? Why would you leave Oklahoma where you've been your whole life, is what he's told me, and move to Branson, Missouri? And here it is. Kelly says, they made us leave. They're making us leave freaking Oklahoma. I said, who made you leave, Kelly? He says, the state. The state made me leave on account I'm in too much trouble. They said if I didn't leave, they were going to lock me up and throw away the freaking key. That judge is a hater and does not want me to live my life. Okay, Kelly says, the judge is a hater and does not want him to live his life. That cracked me up. Cat follows up with, well, it was kind of your fault. You shouldn't have ever done that. Okay, now we're starting to get to 
the real reason that they're leaving. And I say, Kelly, what did you do? What was the straw that broke Oklahoma's back? How do you get kicked out of a state? All the while I'm thinking, before this, I was just assuming that this guy could be like a criminal or have a criminal past of some sort. Now he tells me that the state literally kicked him out. I feel justified for my assumptions and a little more worried all at the same time. Kelly tells me that he got into an altercation with his landlord. He says they got behind on rent. That's understandable. Get behind on rent. You got to catch up. And he needed time to catch up, and the landlord was unwilling to work with them. He said that he went to go speak with the landlord. There was no forgiveness. There was no late payment options. They needed us to move out. Kelly says, so that landlord got what was coming. That landlord got punched in the mouth. Okay, so he punched the landlord in the mouth. So this is what I figured out now. So I guess that would be kind of his fault. Okay, so assault. Assault is the reason that they were kicked out of Oklahoma. Makes sense. And now I'm feeling like I'm in trouble. Cat follows up. You really shouldn't have punched her. Yes, I said her. Cat says, you really shouldn't have punched her. And I'm sitting here thinking, wait, the landlord's a her and he punched her in the mouth? How can this get any worse? Kelly finishes the conversation by saying, that old lady had it coming. Okay, at this point I'm like, just dumbfounded. So he punched the landlord in the mouth, and it was an old lady. And then he had to go to court, and he was found guilty of assault on an old lady landlord. And that's why he's getting kicked out of Oklahoma and sent to Missouri. Not just assault, not just assault on a female, but an old lady. My mind is blown. I'm speechless after this. And it gets super quiet in the cab of this truck for the next little while. I mean, what am I going to say? I have, there's no follow-up questions. I have no follow-up questions at this point. All I know is they happen to be going to Branson because he punched his old lady landlord in the mouth. All I can do at this point is I'm texting my wife. I'm telling her how crazy this situation is and how unbelievable these people are. Now, I feel like a little background helps in certain situations. So when I was in seventh grade, we were learning about the geography of the United States. The teacher was going over different areas of the map. She pointed to the Midwest and told us this region of the country is known as Tornado Alley. At the time, I was living in South Georgia. We didn't get tornadoes down there, and my only experience with a tornado was seriously watching The Wizard of Oz. I raised my hand and asked the teacher, why would anyone willingly move to a place known as Tornado Alley? Fast forward two years later, and that's exactly what my family did. We moved to Tornado Alley. As a matter of fact, my first experience with the tornado siren was traumatizing. As a 16-year-old, I was driving through a neighborhood when all of a sudden these loud, piercing sirens start blaring. I had no idea what they were. All I could think of was those movies that you've seen where the sirens start to let people know that we're under attack, and that's what I thought. We're about to get bombed. I race home, freaking out, until my parents explain to me what's going on. It was kind of embarrassing. They all had a good laugh about it. I had no idea what they were, but I found out really quick. Now, I'm a true Midwesterner, completely numb to tornado warnings, sirens, etc. I've seen it all. I've come up with my own theories about, are there really tornadoes coming, or are we trying to sell ad space on new channels? You know, stuff like that. So, I'm fully in the tornado alley lifestyle now.
With that being said, at this point, it's been quiet for a while. No one was really talking after the whole beat-up-an-old-lady revelation. But it is starting to rain. I don't remember us having access to a weather app on my phone on this ride. My phone at the time was an Android. That was the last one I had before going to Apple for the rest of my life. But I don't recall a weather app on it at the time. Kelly had a flip phone, so I know he didn't have access to weather notifications, and Kat was blind, so I know that she was not looking at her phone for weather updates. Because as Kelly told me multiple times, Kat is blind. At this point, it's pouring rain. But that hasn't slowed Kelly's speed down in the slightest. And it's at this point, when it is silent in this truck, that Kat yells out, at the top of her lungs. Look! Off in the distance! It's a tornado! I'm stunned. First, she has not raised her voice once. She's been quiet and friendly. Second, she's supposed to be blind. Kat has told me that she's blind. Kelly has told me that she's blind. But she said she sees a tornado in the pitch black off in the distance, through the rain. I'm looking because we're both on the same side of the truck. And I don't see anything. And I don't know how she sees anything. And I'm just like, what? She screams, I see it! I see it! It's right there! Kelly says, man, Cat has a sixth sense about these things, man. Oh, man, Cat, baby. How close is it to us? What do we need to do? I'm like, guys... I don't see a tornado. I don't see anything. It's just a thunderstorm. We are okay. Cat screams, it's coming right at us. We need to get in the ditch. What? Get in the ditch? There is no way I'm getting out of this truck in the pouring rain to lay in a ditch with these two. It's not happening. I'll die in this truck before that happens. Either they'll kill me or their tornado will. But either way, I'm not laying in a ditch on the side of I-44. So at this point, Kat is freaking out about the tornado. She is frantic. Kelly is looking for the best place to pull over for us all to snuggle up in a ditch. And I've decided to change my tactics on this completely. I've been trying this whole time to convince them that there is no tornado. Guys, I don't see a tornado. I mean, there is a thunderstorm, and you can see clouds off in the distance because the sun is set and it's dark, but you can see a little bit. I'm still trying to figure out how Kat sees this, but there is no tornado. So... What I'm doing isn't working, so I change tactics, and instead I say, Oh, I see it. You know, they say, if you see a tornado and it's not moving, then you should get in the ditch. But if it is moving, you should keep driving. The tornado I see off to the right appears to be moving west, and we're driving east, so if we keep driving, we should be safe. And at this point, I cross my fingers that this was convincing. Kelly says, what do you think, Cat? What do you think, Cat, baby? And Cat says, he's right. It's moving west. Keep driving, Kelly. We'll be safe. So it worked. No ditch for me. And on we go. So here's the deal. Kelly's driving crazy. He's kicked out of Oklahoma, and we have a near miss with a tornado that didn't exist. Now, 
I'm a praying man. I believe in miracles. I believe in the power of prayer. Until this point, when I'm not talking to Kelly and Kat in the cab of this truck or texting my wife, I'm praying. And I'm giving thanks to the Lord for these tiny miracles. No car wrecks. Not getting assaulted. Not having to lay in a ditch. And so on. But the ride is still going. We are about halfway there. And these two are still full of surprises. Next time on Along for the Ride. Now we've had some exciting stuff happen up to this point, but next time we're going to talk about sad country love songs, how Kelly met Cat, and guys, we see a wreck on the highway. You may be asking yourself, can this possibly get any better? Oh, it does, my friends. It does. Thank you for listening to Along for the Ride. Please follow this show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You'll be notified of new episodes. Hopefully, you'll share with your friends, and please rate one to five stars. I've told this story several times, but I always have time constraints. This is a new view on one of the craziest things that ever happened to me in my life. I hope you had a good time. I'm Ben Lewis. Until next time.